The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 11th, 2024, on the basis of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Can I start out by depressing you a little bit this morning? Recently, I was looking at some demographic information for this area where our church was located. And that information revealed that 60%, six out of every 10 people in our area have no involvement with a church. If that's not bad enough, recent polling data in our country suggests that for every 30 people who have no involvement with a church, 29 of them are not looking to have any involvement with a church. In other words, they have no involvement and they're perfectly fine with it staying that way. As if that's not bad enough. What's going on out there? Things aren't always exactly perfectly sunny in here either. This past year, 2023, here at Good News, we averaged about 125 people in worship every Sunday. It's higher than the year before. Certainly makes the parking lot and the pews feel pretty full, but did you realize that that only accounts for 55% of the people who are members here at Good News? I share all of that information with you, not simply to depress you this morning. I also don't share it so that you can feel smug and self-satisfied if you're one of those people who are here every single week. And I certainly don't share it simply to make you feel guilty that you aren't here more often. No, instead I share that information with you because for the past month and a half, the focus of our worship has been everyone by one. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus is the light of the whole world and how God's big plan is for that light to shine, for that light to go on in the hearts of everyone. And so if that's true, and if the data that I just shared with you is also true, then boy, it sure seems as though God is failing. We look around our world and very clearly Jesus is not a light that has gone on in the hearts of everyone. That's why it's such a good thing that we are wrapping up our epiphany worship with the word of God that is in front of us today. In these verses, Paul doesn't say anything that we haven't already been hearing for the past several weeks. But in these verses, he gives us an explanation for why the light of Jesus hasn't gone on in everyone's heart. He lets us know why that is. He offers us an explanation for why that is. In fact, he lets us know why that shouldn't even be a surprise when that happens. And so in these verses, Paul gives us an explanation for what we see going on out there. Paul gives us an explanation for what can and very often does easily happen in here. And as we look at these verses, we will come to a greater appreciation for why God chooses to act and to deal with us the way that he does. Why all of this is actually a good thing instead of some tragic flaw. Why far from it being a sign of God's failure, it's actually the secret to his success. So as we look at these verses from 2 Corinthians 4 this morning, we're going to see that the reason the light doesn't go on in everyone's heart is also the very reason 
why that light goes on in anyone's heart. So as I mentioned, Paul isn't really saying anything new in these verses. He tells us that God wants to reveal his glory to absolutely everyone. God wants to show everyone who he is and what he is like. And yet, rather than simply shining forth that glory in all of its unfiltered brilliance, God instead reveals his glory in Christ, in Jesus. We might say that God bottles up his glory in human form in Jesus. And not only that, but the specific human form that God has bottled all of his glory up in doesn't really look like anything all that special. Sure, at his transfiguration, Jesus sort of unleashed all of the glory that he possesses as true God. But what happened on transfiguration is much more the exception than the rule. In fact, the whole reason Jesus wanted his disciples to see his glory on that mountain was because they were getting ready to go to Jerusalem where he was going to suffer and where he was going to die, where all of his glory appeared nowhere to be found. So God reveals his glory to us in Jesus. But not only that, by the time Paul wrote these words, Jesus wasn't around in visible form for people to look at him and interact with him. Instead, as Paul says, now Jesus is revealed to us through the gospel, through the message of everything that he did and everything that he said, through words, in other words. And then lastly, as Paul tells us, those words then, of course, have to be delivered by someone. And in our world, the gospel is not delivered by angels. There's not some cosmic megaphone up in the clouds that conveys God's words to us. Instead, those words of the gospel are delivered by ordinary and, yes, sinful people, just like the Apostle Paul. So each one of these links in the chain, you might say, is sort of like another click on the dimmer switch that God uses to take his glory and bring it dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. All the fullness of God's glory revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ revealed to us in the gospel. The gospel shared with us by average ordinary people. Just to put a real fine point on it this morning, when those kids stood up in front of you and saying it wasn't just nice, it wasn't just cute, God himself was revealing to you his glory through the song that they were singing. In order to reveal his glory to the world, God makes it very, very, very dim. And because that is the case, Paul is well aware that many people are going to be blinded to it. In fact, that's exactly the thing that Satan is hell-bent on accomplishing in our world. What Satan does in our world is sort of like what happens with you when you might be working at home on a nice sunny spring day and because it's so nice outside you decide to take your laptop out onto the patio and work out there. So long as you are sitting in the house that light on your laptop screen is plenty bright. You can see everything on the screen just fine but as soon as you go out in the sun suddenly it's not bright enough and you can't see anything. Because God reveals his glory by making it very very dim Satan responds by trying to outshine God with things that look a lot more brilliant and a lot more flashy. And Paul is well aware that Satan is going to succeed in his efforts. And not just with a few people here and there, 
not just with some small minority that sort of consists of the outliers in our world. No, did you notice what Paul refers to Satan as? He doesn't just call him a ruler of this world the way he does elsewhere. He doesn't just call Satan the prince of this world the way that Jesus once referred to him. No, he calls Satan the god of this age. Satan is going to be so successful in trying to outshine God that it might even appear as though he is God instead of God. In fact, Paul's words sort of force us to honestly ask ourselves, have Satan's tactics been effective with us? When we come into this place, the glory that shines in here, the glory that is revealed in our Savior Jesus through his gospel, it shows us that God's approval of us has nothing to do with anything that we've done, but instead has only to do with what Jesus has done for us. But out there, you can get praise for your accomplishments. You can achieve and you can succeed based on your own merits. Sometimes that sounds a little bit better. The glory that shines in here shows us that God's blessing and God's reward for his people will never fully be realized in this life. We must wait for the life to come. But out there, you can have whatever you want and you can do whatever you want right now in an instant. No waiting necessary. The glory that shines in here shows us a Savior who invites us to deny ourselves, to repent of our sins and to acknowledge to him just how many times we have failed. But the glory that shines out there invites us to express and pursue whatever it is that we might desire and in fact to expect that everyone else in our life is just going to stand on the sidelines and cheer us on as we do. The glory that shines in here is delivered not just through children, at least they're cute. Most of the time you're stuck with me and Vicar Borgward. Most of the time you're stuck with the people who are sitting to your left and sitting to your right, speaking and singing the gospel to you. But out there, when something is important, it makes headlines, it generates buzz, it has celebrity endorsements, it has tickets that sell for thousands and thousands of dollars. It has halftime shows where Usher performs. It has luxury boxes where Taylor Swift is watching and cheering on the game. So has it worked? Whether it's coming here on Sunday morning or opening your Bible during the week, whether it's attending a Bible study or reading a devotion with your family, or doing your homework if you're one of our confirmation students in the room today. Where does the gospel rank? Do you see it for what it is? God himself revealing his glory to you? Or has the God of this age successfully blinded you to it? So we might wonder why God does this at all. I mean, if nothing else, transfiguration is proof that God can certainly outshine Satan if he really wants to. So if God doesn't have to dim down his glory, why does he? 
Well, that's the question that Paul answers right at the end of these verses. And yet, in order to understand his answer, we need to realize that he's really concluding an argument that he's been making for quite a long period of time. For the past several chapters, in fact, he has been comparing the way that God once revealed his glory back in the Old Testament to the way that God reveals his glory now. So back in the Old Testament, when all of God's people were gathered around Mount Sinai, it was Moses who got to go up on top of the mountain and see God's glory. As God shared with Moses all of the laws and all of the regulations, all of the ceremonies and all of the festivals that God wanted his people to follow, Moses then came down the mountain and relayed that message to the people. But when he did, because he had seen God's glory, that glory was being reflected on the face of Moses. Moses was literally beaming with God's glory as he shared with the people what God had said to him. And so do you know what happened? The people were terrified. They were scared to go anywhere near Moses. Moses pretty much had to force them to come and listen to the things that God had said. Well, now, among us, God wants to reveal an even greater glory than he revealed through Moses. Not the glory of his law, which can bring only guilt and only death, but instead the glory of his gospel, which brings salvation and life. And this isn't a glory that's just reflected on someone's face like it was with Moses. This is a glory that actually radiates from the face of Jesus. He is its source. Moses was sort of like the moon, but Jesus is the actual sun. And God wants to reveal this glory to us, not just in a way where we can sort of stand at a safe distance and maybe take a quick glance at it. No, he wants to shine this glory all the way down into the bottom of our hearts. He wants the glory of his gospel to light up our thoughts, our will, our every desire. And so if the much lesser glory made people terrified, then as God reveals this even greater glory, he needs to dim it way, way down. And thank goodness he does. It might sound really appealing that out there in the world, we get to get praised for our own accomplishments and succeed based on our own merits. But when there are times when we fail, when our, our behavior deserves uh, condemnation instead of praise, when our behavior disgusts even ourselves, and it surely will, the glory that shines in here will show us a God who is always ready to forgive. It might sound nice that out there we can experience whatever pleasures and whatever thrills we want in an instant, but when those pleasures disappoint us, and when those thrills prove to be cheap, and they will, the glory that shines in here shows us that whether life is good or life is bad, our best days are always ahead of us. It might sound good that out there we get to just pursue and express whatever we consider our true self to be. But when that true self falls out of fashion in our world, or when what we once considered our true self suddenly looks like a stranger in the mirror, and it will, the glory that shines in here 
shows us the self that God created us to have and to find in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of that is only possible because God takes all of his glory in the gospel and he turns it way, way down. Whatever shame you might have, whatever guilt, whatever regret, whatever failure or frustration, God wants you to come as close as possible to see him and who he is. He wants you to stare at his glory for as long as you possibly can. He wants you to touch it and hold it and embrace it and make it your own. And so that very same thing that can very easily cause us to be blinded to God's glory is also the thing that guarantees we will never be blinded by it. Yes, because God dims his glory way, way down. That light will not turn on in everyone's heart. But that is the very same reason that it ever turns on in anyone's heart. And that's an important thing for the disciples of Jesus to remember all the time. I think it's an especially important thing for the disciples of Jesus to remember today. Today, as we walk with Jesus and his disciples down the mountain, it's kind of what we're doing with our service today. On the heels of our Christmas celebration just a, a few weeks back, this last Sunday in Epiphany, this Sunday called Transfiguration, is kind of one last Sunday where the lights are turned way up, where everything is bright and sunny and the glory of God is visible. As we stand on the top of this mountain, we can already look ahead and see another moment in the life of Jesus where the glory was clearly on display, the moment that Jesus already wanted to point his disciples ahead to. Easter Sunday is just six weeks from now. But in the, between these two high points, where the sun is clearly shining, is a dark valley called Lent. And during those weeks, the glory of God gets dimmed down even more, almost to the point where we'd be tempted to think that it's going to go out completely. When we gather here in God's house during the season of Lent, the mood is much more sober, and the songs much more somber. And yet, if what Paul tells us in these verses is true, then that is exactly what you and I and every single human being need. Because whatever it might be, whatever the shame, whatever the guilt, whatever the regret, whatever the disgust for yourself that you might feel, whatever it is that might tempt you to go off into the darkness all by yourself. Don't worry. God has turned down the light of his glory so low so that you don't have to be afraid to step into his light. Amen.